Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hajj Assad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. I will reiterate that Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, both of us. Right, Ben? As of this moment, yes. And we're also very good friends. Right, Ben? As of this moment, yes. <laughs> yes. We're such good friends that we like to plug each other's um, content. And uh, actually, not each other's. I'll just let Ben take the reins and, and tell us where you can find his yeah, latest work. It's a lot of self-plugging, really. Um, Jesus. <laughs> you can find my work at uh, Motor Trend, at Driving Line, at Inside Hook, and at Haggerty. And you can find my work at autotrader.ca, driving.ca, Nouveau Magazine, and uh, you saw me in the September issue of Car and Driver, if that's still out in the newsstands. Did I oh. ever see you? What a photo. You'll find it. <laughs> yes. Speaking uh, of photos, uh, so as as many of our listeners know, Sammy recently had a, a child, oh, and no. um, we were talking today about ph- photos of children, and the fact that you need to have a photo of your baby on a baby passport. And he, there's this whole set of guidelines as to how that photo is supposed to look. And, and be framed and everything, yeah. The thing I was thinking about is if you have a baby and, like, you take a photo, a year later that photo looks nothing like your baby. And passports yeah. last five to ten years. So can you be eight years old and have an infant's photo on your passport and have that still be a legal document? That Apparently seems, so, yeah. That seems to be so crazy to me. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm eager to try it out and see how that works out. Me and me and my kid will go through the same uh, issues at the border that we typically get. So why not uh, add to the confusion? Ben, we've got some cars to talk about this week. We've got like car things and car adjacent things car to life. talk about. Yeah, we got car, car life, life to talk about. A lot of life changes happening on both sides of this microphone. On everyone's side, you know, like we just won't, our lives have not stopped. Has anyone figured that out? Why does it? Why, why does life not stop? I mean, after 80 or so years, <laughs> it tends to wind down, but yeah. Uh, yeah, the first thing, let's get, let's get first things first. Um, I want to talk about a vehicle briefly that I drove recently, mm-hmm. and that is the 2023 Genesis electrified GV70. That's the. You actual, better get that. You better get the thing, the name right. The order of those GV70 words. GV70 electrified doesn't work. No, the order sounds wrong, but is actually that's the branding, which is unfortunate because this is a really good car. Um, just, <laughs> <laughs> so you, it's unfortunate that the name is messed. Is is a weird order, unnatural order. Yes. I think if you call it electrified GV70, that makes sense. But GV70 electrified, I'm not sure it does. No, um, the in in thinking about this car, uh, well, I took you right off your train. You of really thought. did with wow. your whole. You, you knocked me off that pedestal. Um, anyway, this car is the third member of the Genesis electric lineup, and Genesis has done something interesting in that. You know, a few years ago, if someone took a gas powered car and turned it into a battery powered car, it kind of sucked. Like it wasn't very good, usually because the range was bad. Um, and the weight and was accommodating in- the electric, electric, electric components 
is like a mishmash, right? It's like a compromise. It's a compromise. And also these cars didn't have the whole wind tunnel testing that a lot of the purpose-built EVs do. So the range was never that great. So you okay. combine the range with the extra weight of the battery, which was never designed to be there in the first place. It's just an extra that you've added on. And we ended up with some some cars that were not so great. And and I think, too, a lot of the early like conversion cars were done using early battery technology. So stuff like the Fiat 500e, it was fun to drive, but it had like 84 miles of range mm-hmm. because it's a small vehicle. You can't put a big battery in there and it was never optimized for that battery. So um, that kind of, I think, put a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths about conversions. Fast forward to now, though, and mm-hmm. conversions are actually pretty damn good. There's uh, thinking specifically the BMW i4, which is a conversion of the 4 Series Grand Coupe. That's really good. Um, Genesis has the electrified G80 sedan, Mm -hmm. which is pretty great as well. And now they have this electrified GV70. And I would say that the electrified GV70 is better than the G80 version, uh, the sedan version. Wow, really? Yeah, there's a, for, for a very specific reason. And it's a small reason, but I think it's important. But just to get back to my original thought... Genesis is a company that's kind of uniquely positioned to do their best work with these conversions because on the one hand, they have these really great gas vehicles like the G80 and the GV70, which is a fantastic compact luxury SUV. It's a vehicle I recommend to a lot of people. I think it looks great. I think Mm -hmm. it's fun to drive and has a beautiful interior and the price is right. But on the other side of the equation, they also have the eGMP electric drivetrain, which is used in the purpose-built GV60, but also in like the Ionic 5 from Hyundai and the EV6 from Kia. And those are all excellent vehicles. And what right. makes them excellent is extremely fast charging times up to like 200 kilowatts, um, sorry, charging speeds. So that reduces your time from like 10% to 80%, something like 20 minutes at the battery, sorry, 20 minutes at the plug if you have a fast enough charger. In my experience, it works very well. Uh, the range is generally pretty good. That's a bit of an asterisk for Genesis. But it's able to combine these two things, Sammy, in a way that I don't think any other luxury car company can. Like, neither, there's not another luxury car company out there that has a really great gas platform and a really great and flexible battery platform that they can merge together. Right. I think I keep thinking about this concept of, like, they basically took all of their, their great electric components and stuffed them in. Instead of putting them in an electric platform, they were able to stuff them into a gas platform and make that a success. That's very rare. Um, almost impossible, but not entirely. There are a couple of other ones. Volvo does it with the XC40, which uh, I want to talk about. Uh, maybe next week we'll talk about it. Um, and you mentioned BMW. That's very fair. But BMW doesn't necessarily have a standalone battery vehicle that has the same kind of cachet as the eGMP platform, I think. You don't like, think like the iX or the i7 the, quite do it? The iX and the the i7 is extremely rare. That's that's a vehicle mm-hmm. you don't see every day. And it's also a huge vehicle. Like that's that's the platform for that vehicle is similar to the iX because they're both really big, right? But the um the eGMP is flexible in the sense that you could also put it in a smaller vehicle which is what Genesis has done with the GV70. And I also think that, you know, Genesis has the advantage of being to market first with the, the Hyundai version. So a lot of the bugs are worked out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't see BMW taking the same initiative and in stuffing that platform in as many g- previously gas-powered cars as Genesis has. Yeah, I think they're, I mean, I think everyone wants to invest in electric platforms so that electric vehicles are fully fleshed out i guess yeah yeah i would agree with you there but But i think what genesis is doing makes sense i mean why not so 
What I like and about you know what? No, hold on. I want to just give me a moment. All right, hold, I'm like, holding on. I'm holding on. There's also if we want to, we want to extend the Kia and Hyundai um, portfolios. There's also the Kona EV and the Nero EV, and even the Soul EV, which I think. I mean, the Soul EV. What I don't are those think EGMP? This, I don't think they're EGMP, but they so use either. like they're they're they use gasoline pa- platforms, and they're still fairly good. EVs. They're fairly good, but I wouldn't call them standouts. Like, I think the Ionic 5 is a standout and the EV6 are standouts. Okay. And I think the other ones are fine. But they like, work, man. They do they they still get good range, they have good sure, performance. But they just don't have that mat that crazy charge speed. And they don't necessarily have the same level of range. And um like I don't know if a soul EV, which isn't sold in the United States, to be sorry, I should stop me- I should stop mentioning it. No, you can mention it, but it's no, just I'll never mention it again. But I feel like that's <laughs> Part of the fact that it's not sold in the U.S. is because it's not super competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if it was a slam dunk, they would have it there. But if but you they also at, have the Nero. I think the Nero does the same. Yeah, thing. but like it's a Nero versus a Bolt. Like, you know, which one is better in that case, right? And it's like maybe neither of them. Maybe they're both kind of good. Whereas mm-hmm. if you look at like an Ionic versus uh, a Nero or an Ionic versus like a, a Leaf or an Aria, I yeah. kind of feel like it has a stronger case. That Aria, man. We one one of these days we're gonna have a really thorough discussion on the Aria because I've only done the the first drive of it and I'd love to drive it for a week, but there's an issue with it with how many how many trim levels there are, how many different configurations <laughs> there are, and just the lack of awareness. I think, which is bizarre because I think Nissan was one of the first on the scene with the Leaf and then just has has never built on that reputation. Well, I I agree with you there. Um, in less than a month, I will be driving the Aria. I don't know which of the billion trims it's going to be, <laughs> but we Hopefully will. a good one. But I'll I'll be able to have it for a week and uh, put it through its paces, and it'll be an interesting conversation. Yeah, but, but uh, let's get back to this GV70. So electrified GV70. I don't want to talk too much about it, Sammy. You've driven it and talked about it in the past. I just want yeah. to put out there that it is extremely fast, like three point eight seconds to sixty fast, which is insane. Um, that's because it has 429 horsepower and 516 pound-feet of torque. It does the quarter mile in like 12.7 seconds. If you, if that's not enough power for you, there's a boost button on the steering wheel that jumps it up to 483 horsepower for 10 seconds. I didn't even know that boost button was there. <laughs> <laughs> like I'd seen it in the in the uh, GV60, but I forgot about it in the GV70 because you don't need it. You absolutely don't, don't need, need it. it. It's no. a very 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 quick vehicle uh, at all times. It's also pretty smooth. I would say that you do feel some of the weight of the battery in a way that you don't in a gas-powered GV70. But other than that, I really enjoyed long-distance driving in the car. The one asterisk that I mentioned earlier when we were introducing this Genesis is the range is 236 miles officially. Yeah. Um, that's not amazing. No, it's it's below average, I would say. Yeah, this is a $66,000 vehicle. Okay. Genesis is in kind of a weird place because if you want to compare the GV70 electric, there's nothing really directly that matches. The closest, I think, is the Tesla Model Y, and that has more range and is less expensive. Um, if you start looking at things like the, the Volvo Recharge, I, I'm not sure that size and performance-wise they match up. They might. No, I don't think so. Um, but even, you know, the other luxury car, like uh, the Audi e-tron, there's like an Atron that's a bit smaller and an Etron that's a bit bigger. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, the GL, the, the EQE, which is like not quite the same size either. Um, BMW doesn't have an electric uh, EV, sorry, an EV crossover. I think that's the size. So it's kind of in a weird space where it's hard to, I think it's worth the money, but there's mm-hmm. not necessarily a direct 
price tag comparison that you can make. Uh, the reason why the range isn't that great, I think part of it is 20-inch wheels are standard on this thing, man. Yeah, the 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 we what's the deal with wheel sizes? Like I I don't know how to deal I don't know how to have this conversation because I think most people like the look of big wheels, but especially like, designers so many... who are d- drawing these cars and they're putting yeah. giant wheels on them. That's I think why we're getting them caricature. They they're starting to look like dubs. Yeah, and I think that this is well over what, the top. That's what Pardon? dubs means, right? Like wasn't yeah. dubs originally twenty inches? Sorry, you're right. Twenty um, but it's just like. I can't I I mean there are way more compromises with these t- with these wheels than there are like benefits. I think that if you put this thing on 18s you would maybe pick up another 20 miles of range. Not to mention the ride quality. Yeah, the ride quality. Uh I I saw like 242 miles per charge, which is okay. pretty good. Not bad, yeah. And I was able to drive like in and out of the city 60-70 miles at a shot, never come close to, you know, below half battery on a round trip. And I was pretty impressed with that. And when I did charge it, it, of course, charged fast. Like, I'm used to Genesis and Hyundai's charging fast. And uh, throw that together with a really great interior that I don't think any other EV in his class can match. Um, And I really like this vehicle. And the other thing that I like about the GV70, the last thing I want to say about it Mm -hmm. is I think that this is a perfect stepping stone between cars that are supposed to be EVs from the start and gas-powered cars. I think that a lot of the time we get gas, we get electric cars that are designed to look like electric cars, to be all futuristic and have many different styling things that are specific to EVs. The the Genesis GV70 doesn't even have like a special badge that's like a different color or like a blue trim or you know how like the plug-in Wrangler has the blue tow hooks to let you know that it's a a 4xe. They don't even put that on the Genesis. They're just like, here's a totally normal looking vehicle that happens to be electric. And I think for a lot of drivers, that matters. Um, I think there's no real compromises that come with this car that are related to um, it being an EV. Like everything about it is pretty standard for EV owners or the EV ownership process and uh, just the experience. And having it look totally normal, I think it kind of sugarcoats the pill. That you have to swallow when you're making that transition. Can I ask you a really silly question? Did you tr- you've you've obviously plugged in this vehicle? Did you find the plug the first time? I did, but okay, it took a fine. while. You have to like well, tell me what your process. I was. had to circle the vehicle a couple <laughs> of times because so for the people who don't know, the plug port on the electrified um, Genesis models is in the grill, but. It's really camouflaged unbelievably well. Yeah, it's right? in the honeycombs. And if your vehicle is locked, you can't open it. So if you're pu- <laughs> if you're pushing it, it won't pop open. So you could theoretically find it and still not get it open, which happened to me. And I was trying to figure out what was going on, and then I didn't I didn't realize the car had locked itself. And I guess mm-hmm. I had left the key somewhere and I walked up to it to to plug it in and it didn't work. So one of the most bizarre things that I've ever had with this car, and I was just like how am I struggling to plug this in? Where could the port possibly be? Is it locked somewhere? Do I have to press a button? And it's only funny because I think in the other products, it's powered, right? Like in other EGMP products, you press a button, I think it flies open. I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. But I do know that if you plug a Genesis in and wait like 10 seconds, a disembodied voice will say, charging now. (laughs) Yeah, charging started, it says. And it's super loud. (laughs) I love that about these these Hyundai uh, or Korean products. Yes, the the Hyundai 
uh, Ionic 6 that I had uh, earlier this uh, this summer does the same thing. And it's like, okay, great. At least now I know I don't have to poke my head in the window or, or in the door and ah, see but, what it's doing. But if you do poke your head in the door, the GV70 has a very, very – okay, this is well-designed because <clears> – <throat> excuse me. <laughs> There is a – on the dashboard, on the far right of the dashboard, which is the easiest thing to see when you're looking in the window, hmm. You it will show you uh, that it's charging. Then it will show you the percentage on the battery. And then it will – if you wait a few more seconds, it will show you how many hours until full at the current charge speed. Okay, great. None of that is visible on that uh, Toyota BZ4X that I <laughs> last month, uh, which was one of my main complaints. I didn't have to pull out an app. I didn't have to register for anything. I didn't have to have an internet connection. I could just very simply see on the dashboard what the charging speed was and how long it was going to take to get to full. So kudos to Genesis for doing that. Man, I'm having, I, I mean, I'm driving this XC40 recharge and it's got a whole process with the plug and I don't want, like, I it, it frustrates me and they can do so much better. They could. Um, Everyone could. Good design is not a secret. It's out there. <laughs> we, we encounter it every day. Take some notes. Bring those back to your company and implement them. I agree. Anyways, um, anything? How much was this car again? Like sixty-six thousand. There's two versions. There's like, there's pretty much only one trim, but there's mm-hmm. a package. I can't remember what it's called. I want it. There's the. I think the advanced package is like the base one, and then there's either a premium or ultimate or something. And it's like sixty-eight hundred bucks, and you get like Napa leather. Uh, some of the interior is a bit different. I think the wheels are different, although they're still 20 inch. I'm not sure on that. I, I'm, okay. I think there are two sets of wheels you can get with this vehicle. Um, there's some other feature that, oh, rear heated seats. Okay. And, uh, one more thing. Let me see if I can pull it up because I, I thought it was a little unusual when I first read that it was coming in. It has a louder stereo and a heated steering wheel. Um, in addition to the louder stereo, you also get like active sound, uh, sound management. So I guess okay. it's kind of like acoustic de- deadening. Uh, the more advanced stereo probably allows them to do that. So I don't know if that's worth it. The leather is nice, whether it's mm-hmm. like worth 10% more. I don't know. We'll see. Okay, good. Um, anything else you want to talk about, uh, with this vehicle in particular? And do you think other automakers should be taking this are, are, are should be trusted to convert a gas-powered product into an electric product. I mean, none of the mainstream automakers are really doing it anymore. Outside of the luxury space, I'm struggling to think of a vehicle that has been converted. You can kind of say the F-150, but I don't think the Lightning platform is similar at all to the actual gas platform. So, like, I don't... It's it's interesting that no one has decided to do it. I think maybe the luxury companies have higher margins that allow them to absorb those costs. Okay. that, That might be why they're pursuing that. That adds up. I think you're right. Um... What else? What else can we say about the about about a new car this week? Anything? I I think that if you are looking for an EV, this should be on your drive list. Uh, really? This is, yes, definitely. No matter what, or are you just saying electric? I mean, well, if you're looking EV. for like a luxury EV, yeah, yes. for sure. Um, I just think that Genesis is killing it in almost every area. I think okay. that this is, even though it's not our mileage champion, I think that's enough range for ninety percent of people on a daily basis, and with mm. the fast charging you're able to kind of stomach those road trips a little bit better. Like if I'd had fast charging like this on that trip, I took to Toronto that, that, that like 300 miles each way where I had the Maki, which I think was topping out at 50 kilowatts. Yeah. I mean, this would have cut my charging time in half, maybe in two thirds. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the biggest, 
that's the killer app of these things. And I know we talk about, you know, a feature that's supposed to be worth buying um, in so many cars because so many cars are very similar in terms of performance um, or, or features. You want one thing that makes your car stand out. You want a good um, ownership experience, right? And that's going to be it, right? Like that's going to be um, a part of the process. Certainly I think that's going to make it certainly going to be a big part of it. I agree. Okay, um, Ben. Yes, <laughs> I heard you. Po- you bought yourself another car, well, another I product. I haven't yet. No, um, not I, a car. No, you bought something with four wheels. Oh, I want to talk about that at the end. I would rather. You I would talk about that. What is that? You want to tease us at the end of the podcast? Yeah. So okay. That's, fine. There's a little spoiler for everyone else. Jeez. Um, Hit me with it. But speaking of buying cars, you and I are both have both are in the middle of undergoing major life changes. I mean, in addition yeah. to Sammy welcoming another human being into the world, he also moved to a different city. Yeah. And moving to the different city and having a kid now meant it was time to get rid of one vehicle in favor of another one. And I'm also in the middle of moving to a different city. Actually, not even a city. I'm moving way out into the country, <laughs> away from human beings. Oh my God. And it's an area where uh, I'm going to be dealing with um, – it's, it's mountainous. There's snow, ice. Weather is not going to be great. Snow clearing might not also be great. And my partner, she has to come into the city once or twice a week. And I, I have to protect her from my old car buying ways because, like, the idea of being trapped on the highway in the middle of the night in a snowstorm in a vehicle that is, like, 10 or 15 years old that has broken down – I, that's fine for me. Like I'm okay accepting that risk, but I can't accept expect her to do yeah. the same kind of thing. So that's understandable. I'm in the middle of looking for a a more modern vehicle for her. And Sammy, you have already made your decision. And I yeah. wanted to just kind of we talk a lot about cars all the time, right? And in theory, cars are our entire lives professionally, so we know what's what. And yet, we're making decisions that I think might surprise some of our listeners. And I think a lot of that has to do with the situations that we find ourselves in and just the economics and state of the market right now. So, Sammy, why don't you start by telling us, I think we might have touched on it in a previous episode recently, but what did you buy as your new vehicle? Right. So basically, I wanted something that was a little bit more reliable and feature filled than my old Outback. I had I had a a 2010 manual transmission Outback. which was fine. It was just getting a little rusty and beat up. We, you know, my, it, that's just the life of a car sometimes. And um, it wasn't that it was dying or anything like that, but it felt like it was on its last legs. And it how many, how much, many years had you owned it? Um, six or seven years now. And we put uh, over 100,000 kilometers on it. We was used when we bought it. Um, and we just wanted something with a little bit more features. This car didn't have Bluetooth. It didn't have... Um, like a heated steering wheel. And as you know, our winters get very cold and, and you have uh, those dainty hands. I definitely do. And I, and I, I have zero heat retention in my hand, so I need that. Um, and I thought it would be, it would be, it was time to get something that was maybe a bit safer, had more features and could pull it off. Now, I don't know if you noticed, it's very difficult to find a car that kind of hits a lot of the marks that I was looking for. I wanted all-wheel drive. I wanted um, a heat steering wheel and Android Auto. And preferably, I'd like it to be an upgrade in some way from my old Outback, which is to say that hopefully it had more features or um, more power. 
And that would have been an ideal situation. Trying to get all of that with a manual transmission was impossible. Like it just couldn't, I could not find it for a decent price. And then um, all I found myself was back at a Subaru. Um, and I found myself a, a Subaru Outback XT, uh, a 2020, not, nothing brand, brand new, but a Subaru Outback XT, which had plenty of power um, and all the features that I was looking for. But I, I couldn't help but laugh about this because I think whenever you and I drive modern Subarus, um, we haven't said the most, you know, like positive things about them, but I think in the context of what they're used for, which is going to be a family hauling, um, vehicle, an all year long vehicle, which is different than what my old Outback was for, which is just for the winter. Um, and, and something that, you know, I'd be comfortable just jumping in and, and driving on a road trip. This is, this worked like it really did work really, really well. And, and something also, that I could you're, trust my, you're in my love partner. With the, you're in love with the Subaru robot. Sorry. I yeah. This one doesn't have the Subaru robot, which is unfortunate. I could not, uh, I couldn't find a model that, that had the Subaru robot for the price that I was looking for, uh-huh. but, um, I'll survive. I'll be okay. <laughs> so, so basically what you're saying is you bought the vehicle that meets your needs, not necessarily the best vehicle in the world, but the one that best fits what you needed. Yeah. And so I will say that it's, it like, I like it. Like it's the weirdest thing is like, you know, we, we rip on some cars for being appliances, but when you find an appliance that really works, I think you end up kind of loving it just because this is exactly what you wanted and does everything you want for without needing any, um, extra assistance or, or, you know, thought process. It just goes, it's comfortable. It has all the features I've wanted. I n- I'm not frustrated with it. I thought I'd be frustrated with the infotainment system, but, um, do I you found have the great out, big screen. I do have the big screen. Um, and one of the complaints that I think we've had with it is that the taps to turn on like heated steering wheels or change certain, um, features like the, uh, automatic engine start stop or, uh, vehicle hold, like the brake hold, um, require a, a couple of taps on the touchscreen, but it turns out that they recently updated this um, infotainment system. That if you download some some of the, the the update onto a USB key, you can just plug it into this into the car and you update it, and now all of that stuff is on the home screen. You don't have to worry about it anymore, which when I think you, is cool. When you plug in the USB key, does do a pair of physical buttons and and dials appear <laughs> on the dashboard? Like, no, no. Does a three D printer <laughs> just like? <laughs> Yes. No, but I mean, this car does have physical buttons for temperature adjustment and tuning and volume, which is more than enough. Yeah. It's just the fan speed that I wish it had um, one more physical adjustment for, but that's okay. But as I mentioned, it has a little, basically like a, a Windows taskbar kind of thing at the bottom where you can press, uh, you can tap it for um, heated steering wheel instantly. And I think that's great. So I started my car searching process in a very similar fashion in that I was looking at an Outback, but I was looking at an older Outback. Um, One of my generation ones. Yes, because so Outbacks got a little weird in the middle of the teens. Yeah. Uh, The teens, you really think that the middle of the teens? This is very funny that you would say this because I think if if you spoke to the Subaru enthusiast, they would say that that fourth gen Outback was like the the turn was like the heel turn 
of the Outback, where it turned from being a wagon and turned into an SUV. Yes, but there is a shining ray of hope in that heel turn, and that is the fact that they made a six-cylinder version, the 3.6R, and matched that with a five-speed automatic transmission. Now, the reason a five-speed automatic is somehow a ray of light is in comparison (laughs) to the CVT that was outfitted to the two-liter four-cylinder, and then eventually also to the six-cylinder in 2015. The Mm -hmm. CVT does not have a great reputation for reliability. It's also not great to drive. I know your vehicle has one, but yours mm-hmm. is a 2020. You probably have a few more years left before you start to have problems with it. Panic, I yeah. was I was looking at these older models and everything was telling me to stay away from the two liter four cylinder because of, you know, uh, head gasket issues and um, uh, oil leak issues. Yeah. And that the 3.6 and the five speed was the most reliable form of um, outback that was out there yeah also because my partner she's going to be hitting bridge traffic at rush hour a couple of times a day a couple of times a week i couldn't ask her to have a manual transmission in that situation like it's just not fair montreal traffic really sucks and you'll be really working your clutch foot and it's annoying i mean i love 75 percent of the cars i own are manual but that doesn't make them good in traffic it just means that i'm willing to accept the work so we looked really hard for a vehicle like this and it turns out that nothing out there is any good like <laughs> the used car market right now is so messed up that i was looking at like thirteen thousand, fourteen thousand dollars for a fairly high mileage outback and when i would go look at it it would be completely rusted out or would be leaking everywhere or would require some type of repairs i even started using a um a remote inspection service that would send a mechanic who would do a test drive do an inspection go under the car and everything and if, if they recommended the car they would provide you with a guarantee for like three three mm-hmm. months if there are any problems. None of the cars were recommended. Like it was just, <laughs> it was just frustrating. So, um, I at the same time I was also looking for a CTS wagon from that era, like 2010 mm-hmm. to 2013. Even harder to find in Canada. Very 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 few were sold. I mean, not many were sold in the U.S. either. But such a small population here that it's it's essentially needle in a haystack. I found a total cream puff in Toronto that they wanted 20 grand for it. Uh, which is outside the budget of a car that is just essentially going to be a commuter. Uh, and if, if I'm going to be spending 20 grand, it's going to be on more of an enthusiast car than like a 20 or a 14 year old, you know, wagon. Like it's not, mm-hmm. it didn't really add up. Um, in that, in, in the space of looking at all these old beat up expensive used cars, I kind of started to think, you know, maybe it's worth investigating at least on a new model. And I'm someone who, would probably never buy a new car because I'm not into depreciation. It's not really my thing. My newest car is 20 years old. This is just the era that I prefer to drive from. But if I'm looking for something that's safe, something that is reasonably fuel efficient and won't have any real problems during the period of ownership, something newer makes sense. So Sammy, I started looking at like lease deals and it turns out that, you know, we were just talking about you buying the car that best fits your needs. Looking at the market now, the car that best fits my needs turns out to be a 2024 base model Subaru Crosstrek. Oh goodness! Okay, that's a that's a that's a decision, man. Like, what do you? What made you lean in that direction? The entire reason behind behind this decision is 4.99 percent lease rate for two years with yeah. the mileage that we need for less than five hundred dollars a month, tax included. Yeah, for two years at five hundred a month, we're talking about, about what, how much? Are we- about just under twelve thousand dollars. So yeah, I, st- and so I, st- you- I started looking at that number, twelve thousand dollars, and then looking at what twelve thousand dollars would buy me on the used market. Mm-hmm. And there's no competition really. It's like I could spend that money on something that's 
going to cause problems for me or isn't in that great a shape. Or I can spend it on a vehicle that is essentially just a transport solution for two years that's only going to be used for commuting, that is going to be safe for my partner. It doesn't matter how fast. She's not an enthusiast. It doesn't matter how fast it is. All that it matters is that it's comfortable, practical, and gets decent gas mileage. And once two years have passed, we'll have sold our house in the city. We'll be settled into the country. We'll have a little more... um, I guess, free cash to look around. But the other thing too is I looked, I tried to find an EV because for commuting long distance, an EV is going to be pretty cost efficient, Mm -hmm. especially in Quebec where electricity is cheap and it's very easy to find charging stations. But there's like multi-year waiting lists for pretty much all the models I was interested in. Right. So two years from now, hopefully that won't be the case. Two years from now, the used car market will probably also be better. It just feels like I, we haven't bought the car yet. I haven't even driven a 2024 yet. I know it's like a refresh or a slash redesign. Mm. I know what I'm getting into with the 2023s. Um, they're perfectly okay. That motor is slow. I prefer the 2.5 liter, but I'm not going to mm-hmm. be driving it, right? So it's not about my preferences. It's about what works best. We're going to test one out this week, see how it goes, see if these lease deals are actually real or if I'm going to encounter some kind of weird dealership flim flam. Um, but yeah, it's not a Which vehicle. Is likely, yeah. It's not a vehicle I ever expected to buy, and I would look at a used Crosstrek. But again, the CVT doesn't have a good reputation, and the manual is just too much hassle for the type of driving right. that's being done. And the reason I'm kind of restricted to all-wheel drive is because where we're where we're going to live, lots of snow, lots of ice, dirt roads, that kind of thing. So it's all about circumstance, and it's really odd to, as an enthusiast, to shop for a non-enthusiast car. Not something I'm used to doing. Yeah, But also to be looking at new cars, which is something I drive every day and um, aren't necessarily something I think of as what I want, you know? Yeah, and I understand. I, and I think I think the listeners, you know, we get to drive some pretty cool stuff too. So, But when you're, drawing, when you're buying for, you know, a partner or something like that um, as well, it changes, right? I'm buying for – I bought for a partner, a kid, um, a future, um, and I thought that would come together only in a, in a car of that – that's like this, right? Yes. And uh, I think budget has a, a great point to, to play there too. So it's tough, man. The used car market is wild. Yeah. I uh, mean, if there was great lease deals on like a Kia or a Hyundai or, you know, a Ford, then I would probably be in those showrooms doing a little more cross shopping. Uh, but there really isn't. The only other company that's offering anything similar for a short term lease, like two years, is Jeep. And oh, wow. I can tell you, once you start shopping for lease deals, all of the ads you see on social media, like Instagram, are lease deals. That's all that pops up. So I keep getting these offers for like $64 a week. I could be driving a Wrangler Sahara with a hardtop. And like intellectually, I'm like, well, that's a more interesting vehicle than the Crosstrek. But then I'm like, the gas bill for driving that on a, you know, 150 mile round trip commute is going to be terrible. And the comfort levels are not going to be great. And I don't really want to ask my partner, who is going to be forced to climb up inside these giant Jeeps uh, and then park it in the city in a parking garage? Like, that's not fair. You know, like, Mm -hmm. these are... But they're the only other company out there that's, I guess, desperate to get rid of inventory because that's really kind of how it feels. Interesting. Um, it's tough. It, I always see these Stellantis deals all the time, and I think you've probably seen them for Rams. And they also have like all these bizarre Ram 
like what is it called ram classic and i yeah. think they have a, a grand cherokee classic or, as well or something like that that you can just they say it's a 2023 or 24 and it's like no nah, that's an, a last gen model well my father ended up buying a not buying but he got a crazy lease deal about three or four years ago on a ram and it was mm-hmm. like less than 200 dollars canadian everything yeah. included for like a v8 four-wheel drive truck you that's, can't turn that down yeah that's insane like that is that is clearly crazy. Like the vehicle that yeah. we are looking at, the Crosstrek, is going to be less than $500 a month. Yeah. And I think that's a great deal right now. <laughs> exactly. So that, that gives you an idea of the state of the market and where interest rates are. Yeah, I hear you. I, so, think, you're, I think you're totally justified. I, I, would I, don't love know. To, I would love to hear from other people out there who've gone through similar things when, when buying their cars and like how they managed what they want versus what the realities are around them of what's available. Like, I, if I could find, if I lived somewhere with no rust, I could probably find an Outback without any problems. But if I live somewhere with no rust, I wouldn't need the all-wheel drive from the Outback. You know, like it's it's, it's a weird catch-22 situation. And then it's also worth pointing out that you're you're fortunate in that you have a couple of other enthusiast cars to enjoy um, as well. And yeah. as do I. I mean, I think I have uh, we have a we have a an FRS. I don't know how much how family friendly that will be, but. You know, if I do want to go out for a, a quick spin or something like that, it's totally capable of doing that. Sure. In the um, summer months, yeah, I, I have other vehicles. And in the winter, I drive the press cars because I kind of have to because otherwise I can't <laughs> write about them. So, yeah, you know, but I, I, did, okay. I, I did make a even though I'm still on the fence with this Crosstrek purchase, Sammy, you were mm-hmm. right in saying earlier that I did make another vehicle purchase this past week. OK, and it's go it's, on. It's a vehicle that I think neither of us have ever driven in any form. Um, yeah. a brand that none of us are have any kind of in-depth knowledge of. And uh, I can tell you it's a convertible. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has a, a convertible or a or a um, it's an open roadster. Top, it's an open <laughs> top vehicle. And it has yeah. a, <laughs> it has a uh, a sounds like a boat, Ben. It's not a boat. It has a okay. one liter engine. Wow. Diesel. Okay. <laughs> Three cylinder. Okay, I see. So it's not a chainsaw. It's not a chainsaw because you can't drive a chainsaw. If I could drive a chainsaw, I would drive one every day. Wouldn't we all, really? It Talk has, to me about this. This is it's, it's either a side-by-side or a, an ATV or something like that. It has 21 horsepower, mm-hmm. a winch, <laughs> and an attachment called the Bushwhacker. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. It's a tractor, of course. It's a tractor. I bought a tractor. Uh, I bought it. That's from... impressive. This is the first time you've purchased a tractor, or like it's the even... first time I've purchased a tractor. I, I haven't had much call for tractors in twenty years of city living. Uh, it just hasn't come up somehow. Um, it is <laughs> and a... tell me about the purchasing experience. I know you didn't do much cross shopping. No, or... I didn't do much cross shopping. <laughs> what I did was I asked the person selling me the house if they'd sold their tractor yet, and they said no. And I said I'll take it. So like, I he gave me. An incredible deal on it, probably paying about ten percent of what it's worth on the on the open market because he's a gentleman and um, he knows what it takes to maintain the property that we're on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a Kubota. It's a B seventy five ten. It's from two thousand four, and it's got like less than five hundred hours on the motor. Whoop whoop. So I'm pretty excited. A tractor. What are you going to do with this thing? And I want to. I want to. I just want to point out. We bought the tractor. My, my partner is also co-owner of this tractor. Yeah. She is going to get as much enjoyment out of it as I do. Uh, what am I going to do with it? What am I not going to do with it, Sammy? I'm going to make trails in the woods. I'm going to pull a little trailer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to maybe plow the yard, although I'm not sure about that yet. Okay. Um, I might mow the lawn, although again, I think I might just turn it into a meadow. 
Uh, there's cool. all sorts of fun stuff that you can do with, with the tractor. I think the tractor is very open to new ideas and possibilities. Yes. It's very simple. It's a hydrostatic setup. So like, you know, there's no shifting. You, you put your foot oh. on the brake and you turn, take in it and it stops and you take your foot off the brake and it goes. And I think it has six speeds, but I'm not sure how they work. It's like, it's, it's going to be a learning That's experience. That's interesting. I was expecting it to be a manual. No, 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 no. Uh, okay. I mean, maybe it is. I don't think it is. Um, I hope I don't lose a limb. That's kind of my... We all do, really. Although you can still podcast, though, with, with like... From the ER? Thing. Yeah, I guess maybe I can. Yeah, that's all we really need. All the beeping would get annoying, though, from the, the life support systems. But I'm pretty excited. I mean, it's orange and black, like all Kubotas are. And uh, yeah, tractor time. I think it's four-wheel drive. <laughs> Yeah. Did you prepare before you got on the podcast to tell us about your no, new tractor? No, I'm looking at a spec sheet right now, and it says the chassis is 4x4 MFWD 4WD. Mm-hmm. That's like they wrote it twice. So MFWD. 4WD and MFW. 4x4. What, is M- what, what are you talking about? You tell me. I don't know. I'm new to tractor ownership. If anyone out there knows about tractors, would love to hear Mechanical front-wheel drive axle. Okay, isn't that then, all axles? And, <laughs> and what's the other one? <laughs> it's 4x4 MFWD at four-wheel drive. 4WD. <laughs> like, it's there twice. It's, it's got, got power steering, though. Yeah. <laughs> and a wet disc brake system. Don't know what that means. Finally. You know what my biggest concern about my discs? They're are? dry. They're just too they're dry. Super dry. Yeah, they're like a Ritz cracker. I can't stand it. I need that. Definitely. I need wet, wet discs dr- breaking, of course. You can add a, uh, like a front. It has a, you, I think it has a power takeoff that allows for a, a front loader. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm scared of that. So I'm not going to do that, but um, it's kind of cool to think I could. Like, I don't so really need to have you anything. joined like a, a Kubota tractor forum or Facebook group or something like that? I don't think they like take me. I think they will. You just show up in your orange and black tractor and yell MFWD at them. And I think they'll – or wet brisk, wet brakes, wet disc brakes. They'll be <laughs> – they'll have you for sure. I'm pretty excited. It's a cool tractor. I'm looking at a photo of it right now. And- <laughs> photo of it on your desk you're like i'm pretty that's excited. my tractor man yeah it's our that's tractor. Cool. i love it um the other thing you... is like it's it's so in the winter it doesn't have a closed cab mm-hmm. and i'm like do i really want to be plowing <laughs> in a vehicle that has an open cab like that sounds really cold but then i'm thinking yeah. you know if i'm using my snowblower i'm also not in a closed cab and then mm-hmm. someone told me that they did plow in a closed cab and it was super noisy so yeah i didn't even think about that so I like this idea that you might like make like a little ski trail around your property. Oh yeah, for sure. And you're going to use your tractor or we're going to bring our kid and you're going to tow them around with it. Right. And, and also like, toboggan. I think we might need to strap like a boom box to the back of it. Cause I don't <laughs> think it has yeah, a radio. <laughs> I love that. You're like, I'm going to be in the middle of nowhere where I can make as much noise as possible. Who's going to complain the deer. Yeah. I'm not listening to no deer. You need the deer to come. I was hoping you got a boat. Well, I have a pond, but it would have to be a pretty <laughs> modest boat. Yeah. <laughs> a little get a swan, get it with a paddle boat. Like I did swan. find out though that there's fish in the pond. There's wild bass in the pond. What? Yeah. How? So, so the bass control the frogs and the leeches because the leeches eat the frogs and the bass hmm. eat both of them. The le- I'm sorry, say that again. The leeches eat the frogs. They eat the frogs, and then the bass eat the frogs and the leeches. And that way, with the with the bass in place, you can swim in the pond. It was designed for swimming. Now, my concern is obviously my idea of a frog is roughly palm sized in shape, okay, in size. 
She's saying a bass can't eat that? You're telling me a leech eats that frog? Well, it attaches itself and it eats the blood. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. I mean, I don't know. And and I also found out that there's like a thousand leech species, but there's only really one that would attach itself to humans, and they're pretty Mm -hmm. rare. So So you're going swimming all day in there. What I'm saying is the bass are taking care of business, and I don't really have to worry. 21 horsepower in this tractor, Sammy. But then it's funny, for the power takeoff, it has claimed 17 horsepower. So I don't know why it's like up for dispute, but it seems to be. <laughs> I realize this has turned into a tractor podcast, and a lot of people have probably t- tuned out. Um, if you want to talk about your own tractor feelings or your own car buying decisions, Sammy, what's the best way for people to reach out and do that? Come on over to the website, Unnamed Automotive Podcast, or maybe UnnamedTractorPodcast.com. Uh, no, seriously, UnnamedAutomotivePodcast.com. There's a contact form there. You just fill it out. Um, and it lands in our inbox. That is the easiest way to do it, in my opinion. But I know that other people have different ideas of what easy is. So if you want to email us the old-fashioned way, it's Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. Or you can reach out to us on social media. I'm on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now, at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. If you've looked at my profile and wondered why I haven't done anything in a while, it's just because I'm scared of whatever is going on with that social media platform, but I am there. I check it every every once in a while. If you send me a message, I'll receive it. Additionally, you can reach out to us on Instagram. Ben is over there at Hunting Benjamin, or you can find me there at Sammy underscore high, like you're laughing too. And if you want to subscribe to the podcast, the easiest thing to do, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. Uh, there's a whole bunch of buttons with all the podcatchers there. You click on one of them, it takes you there. You hit subscribe, everyone's happy. But even easier than that is just whatever podcatching thing you listen to or you use to listen, you can just type Unnamed Automotive Podcast and find us there. We are everywhere. And please like, subscribe, ratings, all that good stuff really helps. Uh, We have a great audience and we are always looking to expand it. And you guys do a great job of helping us do that. So, Sammy, are we going to be talking about tractors next week or what are we going to be talking about? No, although I think the the automaker that I um, will be talking about has made tractors. I'll be driving the Volvo XC40 Recharge, which has recently gone rear-wheel drive. And we're going to talk about what that means and whether or not that's a good thing um, and whether or not the XC40 has been improved in any other reasonable way. And I'm going to be talking about another company that probably makes tractors, and that's <laughs> Honda. <laughs> but I'm yeah. going to be talking about the, specifically the Passport, which is not a tractor. Not a, not a tractor. Not Absolutely not. All, All right. right. Can't wait. Bye, everybody. Bye.